Oh, happy Saturday, everybody. It's me, it's old Johnny Boy, your old pal, Johnny Boy. I thought about whether or not I would, uh, I, I'm not going to have a whole thing. It's, this isn't going to be like a preachy thing, it's not going to be a sappy thing. I just realized, you know, it's today's September 11th, it's 20 years since the World Trade Center attacks, and the attack on the Pentagon, and uh, the attack, well, the thwarted attack on the White House. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's funny, so a couple of days ago I had an interview with uh, my Uncle Pete, who is going to be teaching a course uh, on podcasting to, I think, largely a group of, of senior citizens. And uh, he wanted to get, you know, ask a few questions, get some insights on one of the one of the foremost experts in podcasting, and that's uh, old old Golden Pipes himself. <laughs> so, yeah, we had a, a little thirty minute call on Zoom uh, Thursday night. Uh, you know, some basic questions: What kind of equipment do I use? How do I post the podcast? What service do I use to distribute the podcast? And you know, when did I start the podcast, and why, and all this stuff? And that was a good conversation. You know, I felt it was more of a conversation than an interview, as I like all of my interviews to be more conversational than uh, than Q and A type thing. Uh, but it was good. It was good. I, I, I hopefully hopefully it added some value to what uh, Uncle Pete is going to be doing soon teaching teaching some students about podcasting. And uh, one of the questions I thought was a really good question that Uncle Pete asked me was. Well, there were a couple of things, a couple of good, a lot of good questions, and one of them was, "How has the podcast changed over the last two or so years that I've been doing it?" And I didn't answer it as uh, I, I didn't answer as as well as I thought I were as well as I wanted to. I could have answered it better, but I mentioned that I have kind of gotten away from like, you know, two years ago, OJ joined Twitter, so I was. You know, for the first time since the 90s, it was like the thing to do again was to make fun of OJ and do OJ imitation. And that was fun for a while. And then it's like, okay, that's, that's run its course. We can't do OJ all the time. And I did Filthy Fritz for a while. You know, Fritz Weatherby or Knob, New Hampshire and all the stupid names of the town folk. And, and that, you know, there'll be, there'll be more. Those will pop in here and there, I guess. But it's just like, it's a lot of effort. <laughs> To come up with those names and to listen to one of his three-minute stories. And then it's it's fun and it's funny and stuff. But it's like, okay, well, you know, it's not always that fun for me. It, sometimes it takes – it's too much effort. And I used to do the musical things and little bits and little things like that. And then, you know, you put all this effort into it. And sometimes I would spend an entire – I mean, it's hours and hours and hours doing a 20-minute bit with multiple tracks and musicals and all those things. And – I kind of got away from all of that because what I really like to do is what I'm doing right now. I just press record. I'm not uh, the other thing I've gotten away from <laughs> the professionalism of just sitting with my with my headset on and my professional microphone in the computer and doing all of that and and talking into the microphone like this. Now I just pick up my phone and I press record and then when I'm done I save the file and then I post it. And there's there's the podcast. I've taken out the stuff that just eats up time that I don't have. If this was something, if if my wildest dreams came true and suddenly there's just sponsors everywhere and uh, <laughs> investors show up and say, ah, I like the sound of those golden pipes. Here's millions of dollars. Quit your job and just be a podcaster forever. Well, then, yeah, then, 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 then I have... 24 hours a day every day to put in to put the time into doing little musical numbers and little you know silly cliffy family bits and things like that i don't even really do the cliff family anymore because i kind of felt for me i felt like i kind of got old and and as you know they show up every once in a while but not every week and so I was just saying, you know, that's some of the stuff that's changed. I've gotten away for less of doing the characters and the bits and things like that and just talking. Hey, here's what happened to me today. Here's a story that I remember from this. Here's the time that I pretended I was Jeff Stovall and I called Shima to, to try and listen to him playing Super Mario World. You know, just stories. 
and when I the more I think about it, and and Uncle Pete said, okay, so you're you're giving more of just you. This is more just hey, here's is more raw, and just talking about yourself rather than you know, here's a here's a twenty minute comedy bit, and then here's an imitation of something, and then here's a little musical thing, and then here's a fake prank call. And then here's 20 minutes about my day or, or a, a memory of childhood. Now it's just, I've got something to say, I'm going to hit record, and I'm just going to say it. As you got yesterday with my 40-minute rant on those morons who haven't gotten vaccinated and still want to do all the same stuff that the vaccinated people are doing, and as a result of them being selfish pricks, there's mandates now. And so now those same selfish pricks are being babies crying about the mandates that are a direct result of their selfishness and stupidity. That's the kind of shit that I like to just, okay, I've got a thought, I'm going to hit record. Instead of like, well, on fr- I'll write it down. And then in three days, I'll do my Friday night podcast. And this story or this feeling that I have won't be fresh in my head. And then it won't be as good as if I just hit record right now and just started just fucking going. That's how the podcast has changed. And also one of the things, I wouldn't say has changed about the podcast per se, but I guess a realization as I kind of think about why am I doing this podcast, and that was one of the questions too that Uncle Pete had, good question, why, why did you decide to do a podcast? Why do you do a podcast? What made you want to do it? And I said, that's pretty simple, I just wanted to do it. When you listen to this, the dopey intro of me from the first episode of the podcast when I, when I put the, uh, the intro on and it's like, hey, I just want to it's, – it's me saying, hey, I'll do a podcast. Let's do a podcast. That's fun. We'll do a podcast. That's it. That's it. I said, hey, yeah, you know, I've got some funny stories. I've got some, you know, I've got some things to say. And if, if a few people listen, cool. If nobody listens, not as cool, but also that's fine because I still enjoy it. I have a day job that pays money. If the podcasting thing someday pays uh, the same or more than the day job, oh man, that's A-OK by me. Thumbs up, brother. But for now, it's a thing that I do when I get the time to do it, and hopefully you enjoy listening to it, and I always enjoy doing it. As long as I enjoy doing it, I just keep doing it. I'm not going to make any money? Fine. Because I, I, that's coming from other places. <clears throat> but I thought about it. And also one of the reasons I do the podcast, I never really consciously acknowledge it, but I do the podcast because, I don't know, I, I'm, I, I feel like someday, well, I don't feel like, I know for a fact, look, someday I'm going to be dead. And not that my stories are anything great and special, but they're, they're important to me. They might be important to my kids. Maybe they'll be important to my grandkids or my great-grandkids someday, should, should I have any. And so I figure this is a fun way to document not in any chronological order, but as I remember things from my childhood, as I remember things from my life, or if I want to just talk about something that just happened 10 minutes ago, now I've saved it. Now it's out there forever. And so my, so my great-great-grandchildren can like and subscribe <laughs> and leave a five-star review for the Birthday Boy podcast long after I'm dead. Just like any great artists of our time, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure I will get more five-star reviews after I'm dead and buried in the ground and I won't be around to enjoy it. That's not true. I, I'm not going to get any five-star reviews ever again after today or after I'm dead or any time. But that's the thing. I, I realize, okay, what's changed about the podcast? A bunch of stuff has changed, but also what's changed is me realizing I'm doing this podcast because I think it would be entertaining, but I'm also doing it to preserve those stories and those memories that I have of times when I was younger or, or what have you so that if I, you know, you, a lot of stuff happens to us. We forget stories. And then a story will pop into our head in the weirdest of times. You just, you know, driving along somewhere or you see something on TV and you think, you think about something that you haven't thought about in, in 30 years. You say, oh, my God, I totally I just remembered this thing that I did when I was nine. Oh, my God, this crazy story. And so that's what this is for. I'm telling these stories because... Not just later on in life, but right now there's, there's just a bunch of shit in my head and I forget a lot of it. So if I tell it now, it's out there. So I don't have to worry about remembering things because as soon as a memory pops in my head, I tell about it. And one of the memories that I was thinking about was waking up. Oh, this isn't as funny. This isn't as fun. But it's a memory 
And I figure what better time and place than on the 20th anniversary of September 11th to talk about my memory of September 11th, 2001, 20 years ago, which is crazy that that was 20 years ago. Uh, and it's weird, too, because the day looks very, very, very much the same as that day. You know, September, I, I always think of September, at least early September, as a pretty sunny. It's like, it's ideal. September has about as as ideal conditions in the Northeast as you could expect. And uh, so I was just thinking about it, and I said, boy, you know, I think about my memories, I and I have some memories of that day. Not a lot, quite frankly, because I think my memories are the same as most people, is just sitting and glued to the TV until well into the evening hours. And I thought, man, I haven't, I've never, you know, not that it's, I, I, I have probably the least interesting 9-11 story of anybody, but for my own sake, I don't remember all the details. And so I'm going to try to, to, you know, I just figured, hey, I'll, let me let me talk about September 11th, 2001, what was I? Because everybody remembers what they were doing. You know, it's just like our parents' generation. What were you doing when Kennedy was assassinated? What were you doing the generation before that? What were you doing, uh, you know, when Pearl Harbor was bombed? Those kinds of things. You remember, right? John Lennon was shot. Where were you? Martin Luther King. And for us, it's September 11th. Where were you? What were you doing on September 11th? How did you find out? What did you do? Etc. My... <laughs> Like I said, mine is the least <laughs> mine's the least interesting, but it's the most it's the most me way that that I could uh that I could find out about what was happening at September eleventh. I slept through uh the first hour or so of of the of all of it. And it was so weird because I was yeah, I was in co- I was my senior year in college. We lived on Helen Street. Which I realize I probably shouldn't say that because that could be uh, you know, Identity thieves could use that information. But, you know, whatever. That's where we live. We lived on Helen Street in Binghamton. <laughs> in a house. In a nice old Victorian house. Keith. My good buddy. Old Keefy. From, uh, from high school. Lived in the room, bedroom right next door. And then uh, the Fat Boys. Adam and Josh. They were twins. And they were called the Fat Boys. Uh, and there was a there was a guy who lived in the the apart the in law apartment attached to the house named Chris, who would come home from school every day or work or whatever he was doing, and uh, as soon as he would come through the door, he would go fat boy, something like that, and then uh, and then eventually everybody came in and even the fat boys themselves, and Adam was uh, you know they were both really nice guys. I I liked spending time with them. <laughs> Adam and Josh, we had, uh, you know, during the winter when you'd have alternate side of the street parking and you'd have to move your car by whatever, by five o'clock every evening to the other side of the road. Uh, if it was 5.01, Adam would yell upstairs. I'd be doing homework or watching TV or playing video games. He'd yell upstairs, yo, John, John, John. And I would... I wouldn't respond because I would just let him. I could I could just feel the veins popping out of his head. Yo, John! <laughs> and I'd be like, I'd be like, yes, Adam? Move your car. And then I go out and move my car to the other side of the street. And usually I would just wait because if I moved my car before he came home, then I wouldn't get to hear him yell that. And he wouldn't just yell it to me, he'd yell it to Keith. Ideen was another dude who lived it was Adam, Josh, Keith, Ideen, myself. And this kid named Chet, who had a bedroom, a nice big bedroom on the first floor, and we saw him, I think, like the first maybe month, first two weeks that we lived there, and then we never saw him again. He was he would come home like, I don't know, maybe like once a week for five minutes. And then one time he called me because he was out and he forgot to tape the finale of X-Files, and I had to put a, a VCR tape in his machine in his bedroom, which was a disgusting mess. And he would leave, he would leave the house for days at a time. And he would leave his TV and his lights on. And then the owner of the house, the landlord, would come over and he would go crazy. Uh, Dan, I want to say his name was Dan. Anyway, he would, Dan would come over and he'd be like, Where's Chet? I'm like, I don't know. No, I'm not his dad. I don't know where the fuck Chet is. 
He's out of the house. I don't know. He's, he hasn't been here in days. Well, his, his lights are... Uh, this is the other thing is we didn't have to pay for the utilities. Oops. There was a big... Mr. Uh, Mr. Dan instantly regretted that decision because I would, I would sit in my beautiful big... I had the biggest room in the house. Nobody wanted the room. The only other person who wanted the room was Ideen. And I said, hey, we, we, can we draw straws for this one? I really like this room. And he was just like, yeah, you can have it. I'm like, no, dude, you want this room. I want this room. Let's do it. You know, flip a coin, draw str- something. Rock, paper, scissors. I don't know. No, no, you're good. You can have it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> so I had this great room in this house. Nice, you know, two nice windows looking out over the street. I had enough room for everything. I had my bed, my TV, my desk, everything I wanted. It was right there. Anyway, uh, and we didn't have to pay utilities, so in the middle of the winter, I would, I would crank my radiator. It was, you know, this old house, I all had radiators, so I would, I would open a valve on the radiator, and I would just, the steam would just come flying out of that thing. Oh, and it felt so good. And then after a while, I would sit there and say, ooh, it's, it's awfully toasty in here. And then I would just, I would just fling the window open all the way. But I wouldn't turn off the radiator because I didn't want to get too cold. So I would, <laughs> I would sit there with my window open or both windows open and the radiator on full blast, getting a nice, toasty, cool, kind of a campfire feel. <laughs> Some cool air and then a little hot air once in a while. Felt great. And I didn't have to pay a dime for it. And the amount of money that I'm sure this poor bastard lost on having us as his tenants, I can't even imagine. I'm sure the next group of suckers had to pay for all the utilities the following year when they moved in. And then there was Chet. I mean, that the radiator thing was once in a while I would do that. Chet would go away for days, weeks, months at a time. And all of his lights were on in his bedroom. And the TV was on and his door was locked and nobody could get in to turn off his lights or his TV. And we'd have to call him. And then he would, he'd run home. He'd run into the room. He'd turn off all his stuff and then he'd leave. I don't know where the hell he was. I barely talked to the guy. Nice guy. Never saw him. Anyway, so that's, that's who lives in the house. Yeah, so Adam would come home during alternate street, uh, alternate street parking times of the year. Yo, Keith! Keith, move your car. Yo, Josh, Josh, move your car. And it was great. It's like, yeah, it's like music. <laughs> Those are the ambient sounds of, uh, of Helen Street. <laughs> it was Adam coming home from class and yelling to everybody, yo, move your car. Yo. Oh, yeah, he would, yeah, one time his, uh, Adam and Josh, uh, I believe, were from Brooklyn, and uh, I, I think I think most of the I think Chet was too. I don't know where Chet was from. Maybe yeah, Chet might have been from Long Island, like like most of the kids at Binghamton from Long Island, and then a and then a peppering of of uh, it's mostly Long Island, and then a peppering of the of the other boroughs. But it's, I mean, most of the people are from the New York City area, some upstate. And then you got like the random, uh, you know, this guy's from Florida for some reason decided to come to Binghamton, and this guy's from Colorado or some, you know, crazy things like that. But mostly people from the city and from Long Island went to Binghamton. Adam and Josh were from Brooklyn, and one there was one time where they had pumpkin pie. I don't know if the, their mom brought it or something, or if they got. I don't know where they. I don't know why or where they. I, I've, I've long since forgotten how they obtained pumpkin pie. But they each had a piece of pumpkin pie. Maybe, I, I feel like maybe one of them went home to visit the parents for the weekend and came back. Maybe it was probably, I'm sure it was like probably after Thanksgiving, right? And they brought some leftovers back the following week. And I remember Adam yelling, <laughs> yelling upstairs to Josh. Josh was in his room, tending to his studies. And, and Josh kind of sounded like this. They looked very similar, but Josh would talk like this. Hey, Adam. Hey, Adam, move your car. Uh, Josh, super smart. They're both very smart dudes. Josh, before he even graduated, got an offer from Goldman Sachs. I remember seeing the dollar amount and thinking, oh, my God. It was in 2002. It was like, oh, it was some, you know, 
some mid mid to upper five figures and we're all, we're all just sitting there like oh my god upper five figures he's a millionaire <laughs> so anyway they came back from thanksgiving the, the fat boys adam and josh and they they brought some leftover pumpkin pie and josh was upstairs doing his work and adam yelled up he goes yo josh josh what adam come get your pumpkin pie what come get your pumpkin pie I should probably close the window. Uh, it's not any worse than my usual yelling and screaming. So anyways, so those were the dudes. And then there was, yeah, there was Ideen. I don't know where Ideen was from. I'm not really sure. I feel like he was from Long Island. I'm pretty sure he was from Long Island. Uh, Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know. And then, so then there was me. From uh, the mean streets of Burn Hills. And then there was Keith, also from the mean streets of Burn Hills. And so Keith and I would, uh, we spent a lot, many a night sitting out on the French por- front porch, uh, smoking cigarettes, talking about nonsense, and then playing video games in between that. And then going to the movies every Friday and Saturday. And uh, yeah, we spent a ton of time together. It was a lot of fun. Really, really fun times. Anyways, <laughs> on, so on September 11th, on September 10th, all I, re- I remember September 10th in some ways better than I remember the 11th because I remember the night before I had a bunch of homework. I had a, I had a computer info systems class. I was doing a, doing a bunch of work for that. I was doing, I don't even remember. There's a ton of shit. And I remember li- I w- even at that age, I was 21 years old and I was still doing my homework lying on the floor on my stomach with all my notebooks and things spread all over the place i was lying on the floor i would watch tv lying on the floor on my stomach doing my homework and then a few months after that i woke up in the middle of the night and my arm my arms and my neck hurt in a way that i i thought i was going to die and i tried taking a hot shower i tried leave i tried cold packs i tried sitting i tried standing i tried lying on my stomach lying on my back i tried anything and everything and no matter what I did, the pain just got worse and worse. And that was the end of me lying on my stomach uh, like a nine-year-old doing my homework. So, uh, but anyways, on September 10th, I remember watching Monday Night Raw, doing my homework, lying on my stomach, going to bed late because they would stay up late and do my homework. And I don't know what classes I had the next day. I have no recollection whatsoever. I think probably a film, most of the film classes, they were usually late in the afternoon because I think the film professors, much like the film students, would rather stay up late and sleep in and then teach their class at two in the afternoon rather than get up early and go over to the the basement lecture hall and push through the cobwebs to get back to their room to teach teach about avant-garde film techniques at eight o'clock in the morning. So I, I didn't have any classes early in the morning. Uh, so I was, I was sound asleep on September 11th, 2001 at 8.46 a.m. And I just, it's just such a, I, this part I'll never forget. I don't remember all the details of exactly what was said. I don't even remember the exact time it was. I've been really trying to think about it. And that's why I want to record this because yeah, the older I get, the older I get, the more I'm going to forget <laughs> what exactly uh, followed uh, after I was after I was awoken by Ideen, one of my housemates, it was just the craziest thing. I was just sleeping comfortably in my bed with my leopard print uh, comforter because that's what cool dudes had was leopard print, and I believe I had purple sheets, purple sheets and leopard print, leopard print pillows, leopard print comfort comforter. Actually, I might have had leopard print sheets too. I don't know. Maybe the inner lining of the comforter was a was a was a purple. I feel like there was purple somewhere in there. Anyway, so I was I was awoken that that Tuesday morning, and I rolled over, and I could just hear somebody, "Yo, John, John." And I rolled over, and it's fucking Ideen is standing there. I'm like, "What the fuck is? Why is he waking me up right now?" And I'm like, did I oversleep for class? I, 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 at first I thought like, oh my God, it's, it's three in the afternoon and I've slept through class and it's 
nice fellow is waking me up to tell me that I need to go to class. And I'm like, I roll over. I'm like, what's up? And he goes, he goes, he's like, yo, wake up. He's like, we're under attack. I'm like, we're under attack. And I'm thinking, I'm like, this dude just woke me up to tell me that, like, I'm so out of it. I'm assuming that Ideen and the fat boys and Keith and Chet and anybody else, I assume that they're having, like, a water balloon fight or something or a super soaker. But I'm just like, I'm like, why would somebody wake me up to say that we're under attack? There's no way we're under attack. I went to bed last night and we weren't under attack, and now we're suddenly under attack. If we were going to be under attack, they would send us a memo, they'd send us an email, they would tell the news, but they would let us know. They would give us advance notice so we could get ready for the sneak, uh, the cowardly sneak attack, surprise attack. They wouldn't just spring it on us out of nowhere when we least suspect it. So there's no way we could be under attack. So I'm assuming, okay, he means we're like they're playing a game. And he's waking. That's really what I thought. He, I rolled over. I'm like, okay, they're playing some fucking game. I'm like, under attack. What the hell does that? And I'm like, okay. I was a little pissed off. I'm like, okay, we're okay, Idine. We're under attack. What do you need me to do? <laughs> and I'm like, you need me to block my uh, doorway with the mattress. He's like, yo, John, wake up. We're under attack. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. And this is the part that I can't remember. I feel like he woke me up. The first plane hit the tower at 8.46. The second plane was 9.03. What I'm having a hard time remembering, and I, I don't have contact with Ideen. I guess I, could, I might be able to find him. I doubt that he would remember. But what I, what I can't recall is... I'm pretty certain that not only had both planes hit the towers, but I'm pretty sure definitely the both planes had hit the towers at that point. Because I don't think, he, you know, he wouldn't have woken me up at like 847 to say, hey, uh, the plane just hit the tower. And, you know, they didn't know at 846, 847, nobody knew anything other than one of the towers is on fire and a plane flew into it. Oh, was that an accident? Was that deliberate? Was that what's going on here? That's weird. Even if you you know you can find the entire broadcast of the oh whoa you can find the entire broadcast of the Howard Stern show on YouTube for that morning, and they're just they're going along doing their usual bits and stuff nonsense, and then Howard interrupts. And he's like, "Wow, something's uh, something's going on in the World Trade Center. The building is on fire." And they talk about it for a few minutes, and then they go back to doing you know. Talking about stupid, like Pamela Anderson or some bullshit. You know, things people talked about in 2001. And uh, and then it was, it was you know, probably another good uh, 10 minutes or so before they, you know, five or 10 minutes before they went back to talking seriously about it. When they realized, like, oh, another plane. And then they put the TV on in the studio. and they're So I'm, I'm thinking that definitely both planes had hit the towers by the time my dean woke me up i'm even thinking and i could be wrong about this but i'm i'm even thinking it could have been closer to 10 or even 10 30 and i'm thinking one if not both of the towers had already come down by the time he woke me up it was very bright and sunny in my room so it wasn't early <laughs> that's for sure but i just the one thing i remember i dean i rolled over john wake up we're under attack they bombed the World Trade Center. That's, I'm pretty sure, what he said. And then he said, everybody's, the whole country's on lockdown. So for him to say that, too, it wouldn't have been early. I mean, we were on lockdown pretty early on, but not, you know, not at 8.50 in the morning or something like that. So, yeah, so if I put the timeline together, if he was telling me we're on, we're you know, the country's on lockdown, uh, certainly both planes had hit. And I have no, I have no recollection of watching any of this happen live. I definitely did not watch the planes hit the towers live, and I don't even, I don't know if I even watched the buildings collapse live. So it's possible that that had already happened. I don't think it did though. I think it was somewhere between the planes hitting the tower, the towers, and the towers going down. I think somewhere in between there was when Ideen realized, like, holy shit, I. 
better wake up John. I think, you know, I think half of the, half of the people in the house were, were at class early in the morning. Ideen, uh, was maybe getting ready for class. And I feel like, I feel like one, if not both of the fat boys were there too. And so I got up and yeah, I came downstairs. My recollection is that I came downstairs just in time to see the first tower collapse and say, holy shit. And then, of course, not long after that was was the next tower collapse. Of course, this, the second tower collapsed first. Um, but nevertheless, you know what I'm saying. The one went down, then the second. And then, then that's it. You're glued to the TV for the rest of the day. I remember calling my parents and leaving a message because they were both teaching. They were both at work at the time. Uh... I remember calling Kimmy, who I don't believe had a cell phone. I used, I used my, I feel like I used my cell phone. I had one of those, you know, like a Nokia, <laughs> one of the big black Nokia things, only to be used in the case of absolute emergency because it costs $5,000 a minute just to use this phone unless it's nights or weekends, which are free. And so to use that phone in the middle of the day, oh my God. It better be something major. So September 11th was a major enough reason. Not that anybody's doing anything in Burn Hills, New York, but still, when the whole place is under attack and on lockdown and two of the biggest and most iconic buildings in existence are now not in existence, yeah, you call your girlfriend (laughs) slash future wife and left a message because she was at school, she was in college, and I called my parents and left a message. And then I sat and watched TV the entire day, just as everybody did. And it was crazy because it wasn't just the networks. It wasn't just ABC, you know, CBS, NBC, Fox, CNN, all that stuff. It wasn't just the news networks and the, and the, and the broadcast networks. It was everybody. You turn on MTV, you turn on Comedy Central, USA, TNT, ESPN, turn on any channel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Turn on any channel, and it's news coverage of September 11th. Obviously, uh, I feel like I recall flipping through all of the channels. We didn't have many channels, um, thirty maybe, and I remember flipping through all of them. And I believe one of the, you know, maybe. I don't know if we had Disney Channel or Nickelodeon. One of the kids, you know, Cartoon Network. I don't even think, I think Cartoon Network even had the news on. It was maybe Nickelodeon or maybe Disney Channel. Uh, one, some, some children's network had programming on, and I was, I was happy to see that. I said, well, that's good. <laughs> so, so all the millions of people with children who are at home or coming home from school can have them go, you know, the real youngsters can go and sit and watch cartoons. Every other channel had the coverage on and that's it that's 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 uh, yeah i just wish i could remember the exact timing because i don't have any i have no strong memories of watching the stuff happen live i have memories of course we've watched it a million times and we watched a million times uh just that day alone because that's all they did was replay it and then you know building seven and some of the other ones coming down and you know, as, as more information came in, but I definitely remember rolling over and seeing Ideen standing over my bed. I'm like, what the fuck? Why the hell is this dude standing here in front of my bed or next to my bed? I should say. And then I realized why. And I still, it took me, took me a few minutes on this guy's telling this some fucking joke. Ideen we're under attack. Yeah, it's a good one. Hmm. So, <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, classes were canceled, I'm sure, all that stuff. And, yeah, I was just talking to Kimmy, who told me that she was she was in uh, the science lab, the science wing, and some, you know, some kid was hysterical, saying that they, you know, the pl- plane flew into the Twin Towers. And I think a lot of people's reactions were the same, like disbelief, like, okay, that's weird. Boy, that's some crazy accident to fly a plane into the Twin Towers. And uh, 
nobody, I think initially a lot of people just kind of were like, oh, well, that sucks. Okay, we'll get back to what we were doing and follow up on that later. And then, okay, a second plane has been flown in. Oh, well, okay, well, you're definitely under attack. And Kimmy was telling me that, you know, she didn't think too much of it either. They just kind of finished what they were doing. Uh, she said the teacher, yeah, they went to the class. Teacher didn't show up. And then there was an announcement on the on the loudspeaker telling everyone to go home. And every person went home. <laughs> and, and Kim was telling me that she sat in her car for about two hours uh, in bumper to bumper traffic, waiting to get out of the waiting to get out of the parking lot because everybody was leaving at the same time. And every radio, just like every television station, every radio you couldn't you could not find music on any station because uh, she was just flipping through all the channels and it was just news coverage. And so she sat in the car uh, as she just told me for two hours, crying, listening to the news, and looking at all the cars next to her and waiting to get out, and everybody else crying. Yeah, and that was. And, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's funny. I just don't remember the rest of that day other than just watching the news, watching CNN or whatever network. I don't know. And, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think then, yeah, they canceled classes for the rest of the week. I didn't go home Wednesday. I went home Thursday, which I only remember because I got home in time for SmackDown, which Vince McMahon and WWE will be the first to tell you how great they were because they had the first live broadcast uh, following the attack. They were the first ones with the patriotism and the balls to get back to normal, which is now we realize how stupid that is that people say, you know, getting back to normal. Anytime something happens, an attack like that, a pandemic whatever there's no there's no normal anymore whatever you knew it's it's over it's just over you can some some people are fortunate enough i guess they can stick their head in the sand and you know create this fake make-believe world of bullshit and it doesn't mean like your life's never going to be happy again it's just it's never going to be the same i remember a couple months before that i have a videotape you used to be the youngsters are never going to know what this is like but us old folks I can remember back in the day, you you could go take a friend or a relative. You could go to the airport, and nowadays you just drop them off. If you're gonna say if you're gonna say your goodbyes, it's it's at the it's at the drop off. You know, at the departures at the airport. You know, okay, have a safe flight. Hugs, quick, quick hugs, kisses, love you. Okay, here's your luggage. Bye, and then you drive off, or you could park the car. And you could walk in, and then when you get to the security checkpoint, okay, bye-bye, hugs, kisses, see you later, have a nice flight. And I guess if you just have money to burn, you could just buy a ticket, and that's the only way that you can go to the gate and see your people off. But in the old days, you could just you could just go anywhere in the airport, which 20 years later is actually insane. to. Th- I forget about that sometimes. It's actually insane to think about how much you could do how for lack of a better word how lax the security was because shit didn't happen that kind of shit never happened nobody hijacked a commercial flight let alone two let alone three let alone four and crashed them into multiple buildings with an attempt at a fourth and not just buildings but some of the largest most iconic most important most recognizable ones on the planet that didn't happen so you could take your friends and family to the airport and you could, you know, you'd just go with them. They'd check in. You could go, you go through a security checkpoint with them. And, uh, and then you just, you go and just, you sit at the gate and you would go to an airport and half of the people sitting at a gate for a flight were friends and family, either waiting to see somebody off or waiting for somebody's plane to arrive. You got to actually be there when people got off the plane. Like immediately after they walked off the the, the jetway, uh, the, you, there they are. I have many memories of picking up, I don't know, grandparents and other people, whatever, aunts, coming in from God knows where and, and waiting for them to get to the airport. And you're waiting right there at the gate. And you can just sit in the gate like you're going on a trip. That was a that was just a regular thing, and I have somewhere a VHS tape because my sister 
was in college in Iowa and Iowa State, I believe, one of the Iowa schools. I think, yeah, Iowa State, I'm pretty sure. And uh, she came home uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day, came home for, you know, some surprise. I think it was, I don't know. Anyway, she came home to, uh, maybe it was Easter, who knows. Anyway, she came home for a weekend or something to surprise uh, to surprise my parents. And I remember I just, you know, going to the airport by myself and just walking up to the gate and with a with a video camera and record, you know, sitting there at the at the gate taping the flight coming in and just waiting as soon as she got off the plane, then I got hey, hey, welcome home. Let's get out of here. And uh <laughs> I I used to have my thoughts were before I turned 21, I thought, "Hey, if I could get like if I could get a pilot's outfit <laughs> from a really good costume store and a hat, I think that's maybe that's a way to go to a bar and not get carded. I'll just go to the airport. I'll go through the security checkpoint. I'll wear my I'll wear my pilot's costume and I'll go sit down at the bar and pretend like I just had a really long day flying planes. I'll be like, "Oh, one beer, please." <laughs> And then expect nothing to happen with this uh, this pimply faced uh, chin pubes guy sits down in a pilot suit asking for a beer. I'm sure that would have worked perfectly. But nevertheless, for you youngsters out there, that's how it used to be. You could just, hey, I'm going to go to the airport. I'm just going to go sit at a gate and and wait for people to get off their their flight or wait for them to leave. It's, it's unbelievable. And that all changed. That all changed on that day 20 years ago. But uh, yeah, I came, I came home from college uh, that Thursday, so the thirteenth, I guess Thursday the thirteenth. I got home, and I, I just I remember that because it was yeah, it was SmackDown was on, and it was the first broadcast, and now WWE has their they have a whole special patting themselves on the back for having that broadcast. And what a lovely broadcast it was, Stephanie McMahon. Uh, comparing the 9-11 attacks to the media attacking her father Vince and their family during the uh, steroid trials in the 90s. Yeah, same tomato-tomato, Steph. Good good job. The fact that she said it is one thing. The fact that they reviewed it and said, yeah, we will definitely air this. This is great. I'm sure Vince was like, "Uh, damn it, Stephanie, that's exactly what it's like. The terrorist attacks on our nation are exactly like the media and the government attacking me uh, for being a piece of shit. Uh, so there was that. And then there was Bradshaw, the great, the great patriot, the great Texan Bradshaw, uh, passionately talking about whatever and then saying, we're going to. And we're gonna turn we're gonna turn their country into a parking lot. Yeah. And then of course, and me watching it and saying, Yeah, th- that was the thing. People I, I see these things about <laughs> we should we should strive to be the nation that we were on September twelfth. <sighs> and I just roll my eyes and I'm like, Yeah, I get what you're saying. And I remember September twelfth. Everybody was nice to each other and we were calm and we were peaceful and we were loving and we all came together. Except we didn't all quite we didn't all quite come together because we came together uh, and then talked about how we were gonna bomb the shit out of and we nobody even knew except we knew uh, we had an idea of what the people looked like who we were gonna bomb the shit out of and that's September twelfth we forget quickly. And easily that it wasn't like <laughs> all the colors of the rainbow joined hands in unity, uh, singing uh, singing songs of uh, of peace and love. Some people join hands in unity, singing songs of peace and love, and then out of the other side of their mouths, talking about how they're going to blow somebody to smithereens who looks a certain way. And friend is part of a certain ethnic group and a certain religion, and we're just gonna wipe them all off the map. Oh, good. 
that's that's exactly what they were hoping for. So great job, stupid. And I'm part of stupid because I those were my sentiments in 2001 as well. Because that's all we did was talk about revenge. And then, boy, we sure got revenge. For the next 20 years, we've just been just a revenge-taking machine. Just uh, 20 years of of endless success in real retaliation uh, for the 9-11 attacks. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go get revenge by, uh, by sending more people to their, to their debt. More Americans can go and die for revenge-ish, kind of, sort of, and then we'll just leave <laughs> 20 years later. Cool. Oh, man. Yeah, so that was September 12th, and people people have a nice, rosy uh, memory of, of unity. Yeah, okay. And, and then every car on the street had those American flags in their windows, in their, you know, in the rear windows. So every car had American flags flying. And yeah, it was, it was a very patriotic times in the, in the aftermath of that attack. And that's a good thing, except, you know, it was patriotism. And then, you know, if you see something, say something. Which meant, if you, you know, if you see anything that even remotely <laughs> looks out of place, say something. Which to a lot of people was like, uh-oh, brown person, better say something. I better tell the police. Uh-oh, guy with a turban. Better tell the police. I mean, this is the, the, the bit at the beginning of the Office episode where Michael buys his condo, where he looks out the window and he sees a guy uh, in a turban coming into the building. And he turns off all the lights and he tells everyone to be quiet and he closes the blinds and locks the door. And then the next talking head is, uh, I did not hit it off with the IT tech guy who came to fix the computers today. Uh, And, you know, but that's how fucking, that's how everybody was in those years after 9-11. So it's like, yeah, we, we were, we did come together to a certain degree. (laughs) And also not entirely. But I get the sentiment because I do remember September 12th. It was quiet. Uh, you know, nobody was doing anything uh, except, you know, by by the time we got to the 12th, 13th, 14th, the following weekend, everybody was, you know, home with their families and stuff. That was, I mean, that's the part if, if you're going to wax uh, nostalgic about something about that. I don't know that our that our uh, misplaced sort of uh, aggression, you know, under the under the guise of patriotism, saying yeah, we're going, you know, our our Toby Keith isms in the aftermath of nine eleven about wiping, you know, wiping Arabs off the map. I don't know that that's something I look back fondly on, um, but I do remember, you know, after any horrific event happens, and the first time you see loved ones. That's the part I remember, and there is a there was a peacefulness to that. Yes, certainly I remember that. So I, I, I get the I get the sentiment when people say, "Oh, we should just live every day and treat each other like it's September twelfth all the time." Like, well, not everybody loved the way they were treated after September twelfth or after September eleventh, starting on September twelfth. So I don't I don't quite agree. <laughs> That we should be uh, doing everything we did after uh, on September twelfth and beyond, because that wasn't that wasn't so hot for everybody. Yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't a wasn't a great time for people, uh, <laughs> for people with turbans or burkas or th- any such thing in this country, um, or anybody who even res- remotely resembled a, a Muslim person, uh, not. Not something that I would want to experience after that after that date. But anyway, yeah. But it was, you know, I came home and it was good to see my parents. It was good to see Kimmy. It was good to see, you know, friends and people. That was a good feeling. And then, of course, I got home <laughs> that Thursday on the 13th of September. And my I, I the, the house was empty and my parents were out. I don't know where they were. Church stuff, maybe. 
presumably, and they came home and, uh, and then, and then on top of everything, you know, I gave my mom a hug and my dad a hug. And it was like, Oh, it's great to see you guys. And, uh, my mom was like, well, we didn't want to tell you over the phone, but Sylvester died. And I said, uh, what? And Sylvester was my cat. That was my first, you know, he was, that was my first pet. When I was uh, when I was eight, we got Sylvester, so he had a good uh, thirteen years or so, I guess. Um, yeah, good thirteen, yeah, thirteen and a half, maybe maybe he was closer to fourteen when he died, but nevertheless, you know, good, pretty decent, decent amount of time that he was here on this planet. And uh, yeah, poor Sylvester had died, um, I think, the previous weekend, and my parents, <laughs> my parents didn't want to tell me over the phone. The problem was at this point, I, I had no more, uh, I was just like, you know, we were all just like exhausted and, you know, empty vessels just kind of walking around, going through the motions. And so when my mom said, oh yeah, we have bad news for you. Sylvester passed away a couple of days ago. We wanted to tell you in person. And I was like, oh, I'm like, well, where, how did he die? I don't know. We just, he was, he was dead. We just found him on the floor in the basement. And he's dead. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's good. I was I was wondering how this week could get any worse. And uh, yeah, thanks for the info. <laughs> but I had no I had no emotion. But then later, you know, a few years later in 2009, my my cat Alf, who I had had since third grade, since my ninth birthday, I got I got Alf when I was nine. As we went to the shelter, and she was the kitten who was who was scaling the, the walls of the cage and just seemed crazy. So I said, that's the one I want. And, um, yeah, she lived to be 20, over 20 years old. Because she, she was a kitten when we got her on my birthday in May of 1989. And then she died in October of 2009, just a, a couple weeks before Cam was born, which is crazy. They were technically... My third grade cat, my cat that I got when I was in third grade when I turned nine uh, was technically alive at the same time as my oldest child who was in the womb when Alf died. But still, nevertheless, it's it's pretty crazy. It's, uh, yeah, so that cat lived to be 20. When Alf died, I, I didn't cry then either. I guess I just, I'm I'm heartless. I guess I'm a sociopath. When pets die, I'm just like, well, okay. You just They're all kind of the same. You just get another one. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. But, like, you know, people have uh, their dogs and their cats die, and what do they do? A week later, they've been replaced. They've been replaced. And, yes, I know people mourn their pets, and some people uh, – I once pet sat uh, overnight at somebody's house way out in the country <clears> – <throat> for this this dog that they wanted me to to sleep overnight every shelf every flat surface in that house had an urn with uh, a little picture in a frame of a dog or a cat or some kind of animal and so some people really you know they really get attached i was pretty attached to alf i mean 20 years together you know she was my cat i was the only person that she liked and then she died, and, I, and my parents, my mom called me. She's like, okay, Alf finally died. I'm like, okay, well, okay, what's next? And I was like, well, your father and I already buried her in the backyard. I'm like, all right, good. Saves me the trouble. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. I don't know. I'm just heartless, I suppose. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah, so that's that's all I re- That's really, I. that's what I remember is like, a lot of sadness, a lot of news coverage, uh, a lot of patriotism, but also like a lot of like a lot of too much patriotism. Uh, you know, too many things uh, about like you know, turning various uh, desert lands into parking lots, and. Uh, <laughs> And then a lot of American flags being flown from cars to let people know who the true patriots are, the ones with the flags on their cars. 
And that's it. And it's taken me an hour, as always. I can't just say something in 10 minutes, can I? No, I can't. I'm very exhausted now. I didn't get enough sleep. It's a beautiful day. I should be out doing things. But I am so tired. I'm just exhausted. And look at this. Oregon's beating Ohio State 7 to nothing right now. I'm sure that won't last. I, I'm sure Oregon's. I'm sure Ohio State's about to put something together here at the 30-yard line. Passes, touchdown, there you go. And I'm sure that's where they're going to run away with this game. Uh, anyway, yeah, I got Ferris Bueller on one screen. I got uh, football games. I don't even know what football games I have on. What's that say? Florida. Oh, oh, it's uh, South Florida and Florida. USF Bulls and Florida Gators, and some other, I think, Tennessee and whoever they're playing on another screen. And now I'm just exhausted. I've talked myself into, I think I've talked myself into a nap. I've talked myself sleepy. So I'm going to go. And those are my, that's those are my memories of September 11th. It's not all that exciting, but it's something that I uh, have at least, <laughs> I've at least logged uh, here. Oh, you know, the other thing I remember really bothered me was Josh one of the fat boys, you know, they're giving the details on the news about what's happening. And it's like, you know, one plane, you know, maybe, the maybe I did wake me up. I, it's possible that he did wake me up in between, uh, you know, one plane attack and then the other plane attack. Because I, now that I'm thinking about it, I was watching on TV with, uh, with the dudes at the house and I remember this fucking Josh said something that I just, you know, I want to punch him in the face because he go, you know, they were talking about like, you know, one, one plane crash and then another. And at some point he just goes, he goes, ah, Americans are such pussies. How, how could you let somebody do that? And I'm like, fuck you fucking asshole. First of all, the first three planes didn't even know what was happening until it was way too late because by the time they could do anything, these guys had barricaded themselves in the fucking cockpit, you doofus. Second of all, by the time the fourth and final plane, when news got to those people, they knew exactly what was up and guess what they did, stupid jackass. So obviously he said it before the fourth plane uh, went down. So I guess I could put my timeline together based on that. When did the fourth plane go down? Uh, that's, that's flight 95, right? Or 93, excuse me. Uh, that's at 928. Okay. So somewhere, yeah, 93, yeah, at, at 958, the flight 93 passenger assault on hijackers begins. At 1002, flight 93 plows into field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Uh at 9.06, all departures of all flights. Okay. So I'm going to say somewhere. Uh, yeah. I mean, so somewhere. Okay. So we can we can pinpoint this to somewhere between 9.06 and 10.02 is when, uh, is when Ideen woke me up. So let's just, let's just call it maybe 9.30. Um, yeah. So there you go. So the towers and the... I'm looking at the timelines here. Uh, South Tower was 9.58. And then the North Tower was at 10.28. Okay. So, no question, I watched the towers go down. There's no... I think that's pretty much solved. So, somewhere... I'm going to say somewhere around... Somewhere between 9 and 10 a.m. is when I... Was when I woke up. And the towers collapse at yeah, at ten thirty, and then uh, and then nine fifty eight. So, yeah. So okay, that's we can pinpoint it to somewhere between nine and ten a.m. But this fucking Josh, Americans are such pussies. No, they're not, doof. And look, I'm sure twenty years has passed. He's my age. I'm sure if he even remembered saying that. Uh, you know, I don't know. I won't speak for him. Maybe he still thinks the same thing. But I remember being, I, I wanted, to, I wanted to fucking knock his block off when he said that. Like dickhead, you really think that people just sat there and said, "Oh, okay, well, I guess we're gonna go crash into the building now." Won't do anything. No, they didn't know what was happening. 
And by the time they did, they couldn't do anything about it because the cockpit was, was sealed off. Jesus Christ, dude. And then by the time this information got to that Flight 93, they said, okay, this isn't, this isn't ending well for us no matter what happens. We're, we're done. We're done for. And these fucking heroes said, we're going to fucking do something about this so that we're the only ones who die as a result of whatever these guys have planned for this plane. So let's take these pieces of shit out. And they did, and they crashed into the field in, in the middle of Pennsylvania somewhere, in Shanksville. And they saved who knows how many lives they saved by, uh, by thwarting these fuckers' plans, these fucking coward, goon, dickless bastards. Yeah, so shut up. Josh, Americans are such pussies. Yeah, no, you project much, you fucking pussy. Yeah, we know what you would have done if you were on the plane. I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain I know what I would have done on the plane, and probably uh, the same thing. Sat there like a fucking coward. I'm, you know, I'd like to think I wouldn't, but I don't know. But these people had no idea what was happening. By the time they did, it was too late to do anything about it not pussies, to fucking even speak that way about people who just died in this horrific attack, this unprecedented attack, to to call these, uh, you dickhead, your girlfriend sucked too, she was a total bitch, anyway, uh, (laughs) a different story for a different time, Uh, yeah, I liked Adam though, Josh, you know, whatever, he was okay, uh, but I was just so I was so mad when he said that. I'm like, what? Are you, and I said, I was like, what are you talking about? They could have done something. They could have stopped. Oh, we were on the plane. You know, you know all the logistics of everything that happened. You and you know that they deliberately decided to just sit on their thumbs, dummy. Anyway, that was the other thing I remembered. That's it. And I don't remember much else uh, about that day. Beautiful weather, just like it is right now. Even, I mean, there's still, there's some clouds out there right now. It's mostly sunny, but that September 11th was, there was not a cloud in the sky. It was as blue as blue can be. I mean, I don't need, you don't need me to tell you. You've seen the videos of it and you were, or you lived through it and you remember it. So, yeah, anyway, that's it. It's been an hour. (laughs) Uh, Always a work in progress. Me, can I, can I get to the point in 10 minutes or less? The answer as of this moment is no, but someday, maybe, someday. All right, gang. I just, there's no, uh, you know, uh, like a lot of people, they want to, I'm not putting something on this. I'm not, like, there's no reason of, like, guys, we need to come together and uni- unify. and No, because we've, we've tried that for the last 18 months and nobody's doing that. So I, I'm, not here to, I'm not here to preach about, like, the lessons we can learn from the takeaways from September 11th, what we can do to be a better blah, blah, blah. No. It's just, that's what I remember from September 11th, and now I've documented it, and it's documented as best as I possibly can remember. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like maybe, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe one of the towers was down by the time, I, I don't know. But we've, we've pinpointed that I was, I was woken up somewhere between about 9 and 10 a.m. That's, that's the best I can tell you. And it was Ideen who woke me up and said, we're under attack. And I thought he was having a fucking water gun fight. <laughs> Some dopey thing. And I said, we're under attack? We're not under attack. The house? Helen Street is under attack? Oh, okay. We are, at, oh, we are under attack. Shit. So yeah, I'll never forget that. Just rolling out for a nice peaceful sleep and looking up and seeing Ideen staring down at me. And he was kind of smiling too because he was one of those people, you know, sometimes people smile when they're saying something, especially if it's if it's weird news, they're smiling nervously, right? And so it was just it was all very strange. It was all like I was still dreaming. I thought I was still dreaming when he was telling me this. I'm like, "What?" What do you mean we're still we're under attack? This no 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 this can't be can't be right. You've got it. You've got your facts. <laughs> you, you you need to get your facts straight, ID. And I don't think you know what you're talking about. 
you've been watching the TV for the last several minutes, and I just woke up from a dream, so certainly I know better than you what's happening, and we're not under attack. That's crazy talk. Yeah, I wish it was crazy talk, but it's not. And uh, anyway, it's something... uh, Yeah, it was very tough. I mean, look, I don't know if we all know somebody, but we all know somebody who knows somebody. I think that's safe to say. And for me, going to a school where most of my classmates are from the New York City, the greater tri-state New York City area, uh, either one of the boroughs, Long Island, maybe New Jersey, maybe some Connecticut, and most of whom have family and parents and uncles and aunts and stuff who lived in the city, worked in the city, they themselves... Uh, from the city, you know, there were lots of, that was tough, man, uh, walking around that campus where most of the students are from the New York City area. Yeah, that was, that was as real as it gets without actually being, <laughs> you know, anywhere near ground zero. And then having, you know, having friends who were a few blocks from it talking about, it. I remember uh, everybody had AOL Instant Messenger. I remember talking to my friend Sean who I worked with at KB Toys, and then he he was actually a student at Binghamton for one year, and then he, I feel like he transferred to NYU the following year, which was very smart, smart move for him. That was a school that I really wanted to go to, but I didn't uh, because of money. And uh, he went there, and obviously NYU, that's that's right in the village, so he's he's right right near uh, right near the ground zero and he was i was you know i pinged him to ask if he was okay and he he responded and he was telling me about just coming out on the front porch or the the, you know the front coming out the front door everybody kind of coming out of their their homes and their apartments at the same time and his words were that every the 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 blue seconds before that it was beautiful blue sky and then the sky was just filled he his words were horrible horrible smoke and uh but you know he was okay he was safe so that was good um and then other people that i knew who were kind of in that area i i keep wanting to say texting but it was it was instant messaging <laughs> and that that kind of thing on AOL, aim instant messenger and then you know calling everybody and then and then going home and seeing everybody that following weekend was was a good thing but uh yeah no no preachy, no takeaways. Just, just my my memories of where I was and what I was doing at that time. We all have them, and I figured I'd record mine before uh, my brain just turns to marshmallows and I forget everything that's ever happened to me. So, all right, that's that's all I guess. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy your time. Enjoy whatever. Enjoy what you do. And we'll talk to you next time on the Birthday Boy Podcast. This has been yet another (laughs) special edition of the Birthday Boy Podcast. We'll get back to silly stuff. I still haven't told you about uh, Myrtle Beach and these doofuses on the go-kart track. Grown-ass adults being total fucking cunt faces on the the go-kart track. I got to tell you about that. I got to – there's lots of stuff. I don't. I, I don't think I've talked about the last New York City trip. I mean, maybe I did do. A, maybe I did. I guess I did. I, I don't know. I don't remember. This is why I'm recording things because I don't remember anything from one minute to the next. So, anyways, we'll talk about that next time, right here on the Birthday Boy Podcast. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll we'll see you when we see you. <laughs> All right, later, Gators.